Thampson. <laughs> it's such a beautiful spirit. I just want to say, first of all, it is, there is such a beautiful spirit of the Lord that is in this house. I feel so at home. It's not everywhere you go that you can say that and be honest. There is such a, there's just such a liberty I feel in this house, and it's all because of God. It's not because of me. It's not because of you without God. You know what I'm saying? None of us. But the Spirit of God is what brings that liberty. And I thank God for that liberty. Uh, you can't have church without God. There's a lot of people, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but uh, there, there's a lot of people trying to have church without God. You just can't do it. They do it in the name of God, but it's just not with God. And... Uh, it's evident by what we feel in this house this morning that, um, that God is here. And um, I don't want to take it for granted. Not one moment do I want to take for granted to be able to feel what we feel in this house. Uh, Brother Bogart, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, did a tremendous job this morning. I felt the Spirit of the Lord and just him singing, leading us in worship this morning. And... Uh, and I appreciate that. I appreciate somebody that's got some push. That's not up there just trying to sound pretty, sound good, but they want the Spirit of God to move, and, and I appreciate that. Thank you for the basket that we uh, had in our room. Uh, I was loaded down with goodies. I'm, I'm not good with formalities and all that. I'm just a country boy from Tennessee, originally from Missouri. Well, I was born in Tennessee, but lived here part of our life as a child. And, uh, but uh, anyway, it's an honor to be able to preach and minister to you good folks this morning. And we want to be a blessing. Yes. We want to be a blessing. My wife and my family, we, we, I don't sing. Uh, I play a saxophone because I tell people that's my muffler. Uh, keep me from singing. I don't want to run nobody off. And, um, but uh, anyway, we may do that tonight. We'll probably just skip that for tonight. But they sing and play. God's blessed me with some talented uh, boys and my wife and so uh, and I thank God for that I love my family and I'm glad they're with me to support me here today and uh, but anyway I want to say again how much I appreciate the opportunity and uh, and uh, if you see me walking a little funny it's because I got a catch in my back and uh, so if I make some crazy little jerks or something it's just uh, but that's all right. I, the devil ain't going to stop me from preaching my heart this morning. I can tell you that. I don't care if I have to do it sitting down. The devil is not going to stop me from obeying God. So, we're going to go to the word of the Lord this morning in Solomon. I'm sorry, in Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 1. Second Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 1. I'm not one of those preachers that... Uh, that just stands around, and, and I may get too, a little too crazy sometimes, but uh, uh, it's like a fire that shut up in my bones, and I don't like dead church, and I sure, one thing that kind of just rubs me the wrong way is whenever I see preachers, uh, when they're not preaching, they stand there like a knot on a log, and then when they're preaching, they want everybody else to jump around and stand on their head and get all excited. I don't, and I'm not going to be that way. I, I, I refuse to be that way. And they say you are what you eat. Well, if you eat the word of God, you're going to be a product of what you are reading and what you are taking in. And it's just evident what people's got on the inside because it's going to show on the outside. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 1 said, And Solomon determined to build an house for the name of the Lord 
and, and an house for his kingdom. And then we're going to go just straight on down to chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, just the next chapter. and said, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in, the Mount, in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the, in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Um, Brother Samson, would you pray over the remainder of this service, if you will? Thank you, Brother Sampson. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Now here we're starting off uh, uh, just talking about um, how that uh, Solomon is building the house of the Lord, uh, Solomon's temple. And we know that David was the one that wanted to build it. And he said, no, you're not going to do it, but, but your son, your seed will. And uh, then we go to uh, chapter 5 in Second Chronicles and said, thus all the work, 5 and 1 said, thus all the work of all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all things that David, his father, had dedicated and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he in among the treasures of the house of God. Now, it took about seven years to build, to build uh, Solomon's temple, according to the word of the Lord. And there was a lot that went into it, and I'm not going to take the time to go into all the, the details uh, of the building of the temple. But um, when the foundation was laid, and uh, even from the very beginning, I mean, uh, it was just so, so mind-boggling, uh, the, the, the stuff that went into building the temple. They didn't run down to the lumber yard and try to make deals with them, trying to find the cheapest materials, you know, how we do today. We want to save every penny we can. We're trying to help the church, and, you know, we're, we're trying to save all the money we can. There's nothing wrong with that, but there was a little bit different thing going on in the building of Solomon's temple. There was precise instructions and things that God had said, do it this way, and I want it to be done certain ways, and you follow the plan of God in seven years in building uh, we built a church about seven years ago, and it took us one year to build it because uh, we did a lot of work ourselves. Uh, and I couldn't imagine seven years. And when you read chapter uh, chapter one, two, three, four, and and get um, down in, even into five of all the effort that went into the building of the temple, it was no small thing. It was no shack. It was no. It was no just ordinary building that you. It wasn't. In other words, it wasn't an ordinary church uh, that you drive by and just see another church on the corner. It wasn't just another place uh, where somebody called it the house of the Lord uh, and somebody just said, this is where we're gonna have church. Uh, there was a lot of, lot of effort, uh, a lot of obedience to what God said that this is the way that I want you to build this temple. And Solomon give his men the orders uh, and they follow those orders uh, to the very dotting of the I and the crossing of the T, if you will. They did 
not deviate one way, not one iota on the building of the temple of the Lord because he had one thing in mind. If I'm going to build it to the Lord, it's got to be pleasing unto the Lord. And we can't build it any other way. We can't, we can't, we can't alter anything in the plans. We can't do anything what we think. We, we can't go by our thinking anymore. We can't go by our ideas anymore. We got a blueprint and it's straight from God. And if you want it to be pleasing unto God, you got to follow that blueprint. You can't go any other direction. You can't add anything to or take anything away. If you want to please God, then you're going to have to follow the plan of God. And it's the only way that God's going to accept that which you are doing unto him. You may be seated. Thank you for your help. But God, there was just so much that went into the building of the temple of the Lord. And uh, it was so much. And I, I, I almost feel... I almost feel guilty for not spending in enough time uh, just talking about how much effort and what all they did and everything that was overlaid with pure gold. And it wasn't just a little little bit of gold. It was pure gold. It wasn't tarnished gold. It wasn't, it wasn't cheap stuff. It was the real thing. And, and uh, all the musicians and everything, everything. And, and at the end, and uh, uh, when it was all said and done, I, in other words, I don't want to shortchange or even even make it sound like that it happened as quick as what I'm making it sound like it happened. Seven years of labor it took for them to build the house of the Lord. And in chapter five and verse thirteen says, "Then it came to pass at the." As the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, "For He is good; for His mercy endureth forever." That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I'm telling you when you do it God's way, you don't have to worry about when it's all said and done, and all the labor is invested, all the prayers have been prayed, all the dedication and the faithfulness to the house of the Lord. There's coming a day that the Spirit of the Lord is going to send from heaven and you ain't gonna have to question whether it's the anointing of God you ain't gonna have to question whether God's hand is on it but you're gonna feel the effects you're gonna feel the glory you're gonna feel the presence of almighty God and it's undeniable that God's spirit is upon the sacrifice that has been made and the dedication that has been given unto the work of the Lord you may be seated now, it may not even sound, it may not, I, I'm, I'm so unprofessional, but uh, it may not even sound like you know, that it goes, but I want to, I wanna, if you want a title, I want to talk to us about more than a memory. More than a memory. Now, we're going to drop all the way down to Ezra chapter 3. Now, we know from this time, the enemies come in, and they destroyed the temple, and they took everything, and and uh, and the, they 
In other words, everything, and this is over a period of time, and the temple where they was, uh, it was taken, you know, because there was king after king. One king would do that which was right in sight of the Lord, and the Lord would bless him. And then his son would take his stead, uh, and sometimes he would do right, and then there would be ones that would, do, would not hearken unto the elders and, and listen unto the counsel of the elders, and they would do it their way, and God would pull his hand from them, and God would allow judgment to come and the enemy to come. Well, we find ourselves where where there's no longer the temple and all this all this work and and it's a shame even like a, even though I'm not comparing Chick Fil A to the temple but our Chick Fil A is a beautiful Chick Fil A I think it's a very nice restaurant in Dyersburg and they just shut it down and they're tearing it down and gonna build another and it feels like such a a waste to me I'm not a waster I don't like to waste uh, money doesn't come easy and uh, I know what I work for I want to take care of it that's why I don't let just anybody use my tools uh, because they'll throw them down and throw them in the dirt and the mud and, and I'm the one that paid for them and I want them to last as long as they can. I want them to look as new as they can as long as they can and that's the way that I feel about the Lord, uh, the Lord's house but anyway, um, but we find ourselves where there's no more temple and uh, here they have talked about the rebuilding of the temple for some time in Ezra chapter 3 verse 10 it said and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, uh, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sing together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, for some time, I really didn't take a whole lot of, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to this uh, because you go back to Solomon's temple and the end of the building and all the celebration and the glory of the Lord that come down. But then you have in Ezra with the rebuilding of the temple and they don't even have nothing but the foundation laid. And yet, and this is where, this is where we're at and they're already celebrating. Said, but for the, but many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice and many shouted aloud for joy. So the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. Now maybe you can understand a little bit why I said more than just a memory. These men had a memory. They remembered what the old temple was like. They remembered the dedication and the consecration and all the effort that was put in to the building of the temple. Apparently, there was something with the foundation. They hadn't even got beyond the foundation, but even looking at the foundation, apparently there was something that just wasn't right. Apparently, there was something that didn't line up to the original, the building of the first temple, and they recognized it. I'm going to tell you, if this church or any church in, across the planet, if you don't have the same foundation that the founders fought for and preached for and sweated for and labored for in prayer and in fasting, it's just not going to work. And I'm not one of those preachers that's going to preach something just to make it sound good. I'm going to tell you, thus saith the Lord, whatever God puts on my heart, I'm not seeking popularity. I'm not seeking fame, but I got 
got to be obedient. I've got to tell you what the Lord says. And that's why there's churches just like this that refuse to deviate from the truth, from the original word that was embedded in our hearts through men of old. You may be seated. I remember, I remember Brother Triplett. I remember being in service with him and him preaching the word of God and his style of preaching and the way that he did. I remember as a very young child, I have memories that are forever etched in my mind of those services that we were in. I remember being at Racing Church back in those days and worshiping. I remember even my brother, my younger brother, didn't have the Holy Ghost at the time, very young, but the glory of God was so strong in that place and I've always been a pretty backward person most people some don't believe that but I used to be and uh, but my brother was not one none of us were one that would just be out front and, and feel that freedom as children uh, as young people to worship we were always kind of you know stand backish a little bit to a certain degree but uh, even my brother at a young age uh, I remember and I don't know why this one service stands out to me so much but I remember him uh, I even remember what he was wearing some kind of uh, I don't even know some kind of um, leather looking name wasn't leather but uh, just some kind of that color kind of pants and a vest. Uh, I guess it was some type of Western uh, kind of look. But I remember him, uh, and he was he was up there, and I just I can't even do it like he was doing. But he was doing something out of the ordinary because I and I don't remember who it was. Uh, but there was some other men that were standing there, and one of them nudged the other one and was talking about him, and because it, it caught their attention too. But it was uh, because uh, of the power of God that was in that service, uh, and it's been just etched in my mind. Uh, and there's no reason necessarily for it to be there except for the power of God that was moving that caused somebody to get out of the ordinary. Somebody to step out because of the glory of God that was in, that was in that service. And there's service after service that I can relate to as a child that I remember the men of old that preached the word of God. It was in the worship. I remember Sister Kathy Sampson that when she was a song leader in those days up there leading worship and singing and dancing across the, the pulpit or the stage. Uh, the, the, the platform, I remember those uh, and they are forever rest in my mind. I remember Uncle Dave Simpson. Brother Dave Simpson, I remember him worshiping even all the way back as a child. I remember his, uh, his, his tenderness. He was a tender man. He had such a tender heart, tender spirit. He was such a humble man. And I remember him uh, in those days worshiping God. I'm taking us back a few years. Uh, but I remember those times. Uh, I remember my granddad, even uh, Brother Bobby Chandler. I remember him preaching uh, the anointed word of God and the services that that we had when I was a child and he preached and they preached without fear and without favor and they told you thus saith the Lord and that's the way it was and they didn't let anyone or anything alter their message that they preached unto the church and I'm telling you those memories are etched in my mind. I remember brother Charlie Wycliffe. I remember him preaching couldn't read a word of the word of God wasn't able to read not one word but I remember him preaching under the anointing of God and quoting scriptures. I remember those those are forever in my mind. I remember as a child, I remember as a child, my grandmother, my, uh, uh, we called her Mama Samson, uh, 
Uh, Y'all know him as Wilbur and Myrtle, but uh, uh, we call her Mama Samson. I remember I was five years old when she passed away, but I remember her vaguely, but I do remember her. And after school, walking across from the church and uh, waiting at her house until somebody, my parents or somebody come and picked us up from school. And uh, I remember that, but one thing that has been etched in my mind, even though I was so young, I don't really remember it myself, seeing it personally, but I, as a child, all of my life, all I've ever heard about my Momo Simpson, uh, Sister Myrtle, that she was a praying woman. She was a praying woman. She left that testimony and that legacy that she was a praying woman. And, uh, and I could just go on and on and on reminding us uh, and telling us about things uh, that I remember of uh, the, the, the past and all the great services and revivals uh, and being in, even in Louisiana having tent revival there Brother Couches or Brother Andy Wan preaching. I remember those times. Maybe I'm telling a little bit about my age, but that's irrelevant. What is important is uh, that there was anointed men of God and anointed singers, uh, anointed worshipers. Uh, There was anointed preaching uh, and there was anointed services uh, and there was results from the anointing uh, and people run to an altar. I remember when they were the sinners uh, would come out of their pew and they didn't walk casually to an altar but they ran to an altar with tears streaming down their face uh, because of the power of God that was reaching them and the conviction power of God. But we find ourselves, you may be seated, you find yourself today, there's churches on every corner. And now you find these churches and these people that have come up with their own idea. And you hear people say that it don't take all that anymore. It don't take all that anymore. But you've still got preachers that are standing up and looking at the foundation in which they think that they are building a relationship with God. They think that they are building their self a spiritual house, if you will, that's going to take them to heaven. But I'm here to tell you, there's going to be a people until the trumpet of the Lord sounds that are going to scream to the top of their voice, that are going to preach with everything that's within them. You better stick with the old paths. You better stick with prayer. You've got to build your church and your relationship with prayer. It won't work and that's what's missing in the foundation of so many today. It's a lack of prayer and dedication to God. You may be seated but there's coming a day judgment day and there's not a one of us that's going to escape that day. The Bible says as a tree falls, so shall it lay. It's going to stay. In other words, how you die is how you're going to face the Lord. Some people, there's, I know I'm not the only one. There's a lot in here that has memories of the things that I have mentioned. The services back going as a child in younger days, whether it was our father's, whether it was our grandparents or regardless of who that it was. Does it have to be any relation? A lot of us have memories of things of the past. And some people's minds have been so far removed from those memories that they are not fresh in their mind anymore. You ever been driving down the road and you go by a certain place and it sparks, jogs your memory and it makes you think of something that you hadn't thought about in a while? 
Well, I hope and believe that before I'm through, and hopefully it'll just be just in a few minutes, uh, but I hope that the power and the anointing God, of God is going to jog your memory to let you remember some things uh, maybe that you have drifted away from, uh, maybe that you have forgotten or not really thought too much about, uh, but I'm here to tell you, God loves you and he cares about you and he wants you to be with him for eternity, but if you ain't on the right foundation and if you've deviated uh, and you've walked away from that foundation, you can't go to heaven unless you are doing it God's way there ain't but one plan of salvation and that's through repentance and being baptized in the name of Jesus oh I'm telling you but it's the greatest life it's not a drudgery it's not a sacrifice that's too great to pay when you sell out to God knowing that there's coming a day that we can forever be with the Lord you may be seated Some are going to have that memory, and you may not be thinking about it too much today. But after you lay your body down and take that last breath, there's a place called hell. And you don't even hear that word mentioned too much anymore. But there is a place, uh, uh, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. And afterwards, after you die, the judgment. uh, But there's a place called hell. And it was not created for you and I. It was created for the devil. But there are many that are falling in that pit. But in that pit and in that eternity of no help and no hope of ever getting out of that place called eternity. Your memory will never leave you. Everything I'm talking about will just be a drop in the bucket to every services that you have ever been in where the power of God is moving. Every services that you have ever been in where the preach word of God, it talks to your heart and it dealt with your heart saying, get right, get right. Today is the day of salvation. Your memory is all that you're going to have is a memory of the things that once were and that you could have had. We've all got those memories, but I'm here to tell you, by the grace and mercy of God, I've got more than a memory. I've got more than a memory. Yes, I remember those days. Yes, I remember those preached uh, messages uh, that tore at your heart. Yes, I remember those times, uh, but I got more than a memory. I got to walk with God. I got a relationship with God. No, I'm not perfect. And yes, I make many mistakes, but I've got an altar in my life. And I know as long as I get to that altar, everything's going to be all right. Oh, I'm telling you, friend. Oh, the trumpet of God's going to sound and it's not too far away and you better make sure that you've got more than just a memory. You can have a relationship. You can have what God bled. The Lord Jesus bled and died on Calvary to pay that price that you could have more than just a memory. More than just a memory. More than just a memory. Thank God for memories, but I've got to have more than just a memory. I want to feel, I told God even today in prayer, God, I thank you for every experience you've allowed us to have. Every time you've allowed me to feel your presence, God, I thank you for every service that you've allowed me to be in in times past. God, I thank you for it. God, but I can't live in the past. i got to have a brand new touch of your anointing today. I've got to feel your spirit moving today. Oh, don't let us be satisfied.
with traditions of men. Don't let us be satisfied. Friend, it ain't worth going to hell. There ain't nothing in this world worth going to hell over. You're going to give it up to go to hell just like you would give it up to go to heaven. Jeremiah 6, 16 says, Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways, stand ye, stand ye in the ways, and see and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And when people, when they leave the presence of God, they might not be saying it with their voice, but they're saying it with their actions. We will not walk therein. If people only knew that you're not going to face your battles alone when you walk to an altar. You're not making your way to an altar knowing how everything's going to work out and how everything is going to fall into place. But there's something about trusting in the Lord. There's something about just giving it all to God. That's why God can't move in a lot of people's lives. It's because they still got a hold of those things that they're trying to figure out. They're trying to make the, the perfect time before they'll live for God. But there's something about turning it over to Jesus. God will direct your paths and God will make a way where there seemeth to be no way. Hope I'm helping somebody this morning. You, you can have, you're going to have a memory. You ain't going to get rid of it. Some things we forget in life. There's a lot of things I forget in life. But there's one thing that I can never forget. And that's whenever I, I, I go to the other side. If I haven't served the Lord with all of my heart, and if I haven't given him everything, I cannot erase the memories. And I know this is not great preaching, if you will, this morning. But there's one thing about it. The word will not return void. He said, my word is forever settled in heaven. And that word is not going to change for you. And it's not going to change for me. And there's only way that God's going to accept our sacrifice. It's got to be with a humble spirit. It's got to be with a hungry, a hunger in your heart that says, God, whatever that you want, I want to serve you. And there's no greater life than you could ever live than to live for the Lord. There's no greater place that you could ever be than in the house of the Lord, lifting your hands unto God and worshiping him as the presence of God fills this house. I'm telling you it's here and it's here right now. What are you gonna do with it? Are you gonna walk away and say we will not walk therein? Oh God, help us, help us God to take heed unto your word. Proverbs 23 and 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. A lot of people think that, as I mentioned earlier, they have deviated from what they were raised on, what they were taught. The Bible talks about a backslider's filled with his own ways. That's why it doesn't surprise me, nor am I offended, when I hear backsliders saying it don't take this and it don't take that. But if you look at the people that's in this church today, 
this man of God, this man of God, and other ones in this house that are still living the same way that was put in their hearts by the elders. Their foundation hasn't changed, and they're still living the life. They're still preaching the same message. They're still doing it the same way. But yet those that have drawn away, those that have walked away, and they're trying to justify themselves. The very first thing that a backslider would do is start justifying his wrongdoings. He's going to start justifying his, his actions that are not lighting up with what they know to be right. But, you know, that's okay because I know that that just shows that they are backslidden heart. But there is a thing called mercy. And God has mercy that's reaching out today for somebody to be able to get back to a place where you don't have to just live in the past and remember the memories but you can go to the other side knowing that you sold out knowing that there's a place and there's a people that have already gone before us that I've got to see again I don't know about you my friend but I plan on seeing Elder Jim Triplett again on the other side I don't know about you but I plan on seeing oh my papa sent on the other side I plan on seeing and dancing on the streets of gold oh my brother Dave Sampson on the other side. Brother Charlie Wycliffe the list goes on and on but if you want to see them you've got to make plans now. If you want to see them again and you want to see them on the other side you've got to make preparations and you better do it quickly. I don't have it before me but he's, the scripture says Today, if you would hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today. Galatians, as they come to the music, one, we all stand. Galatians 1 and 8 says, 8 and 9 said, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. There's people that have walked away from this truth and they're preaching things that are not in line with what the word of God says. I'm gonna tell you, God is a God of love He's the God of mercy, but he's also a God of judgment. He's also a God that says, uh, when you follow my plan, uh, you can hear me say, well done, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, but they're going to say in that day, they're going to say in that day, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. It breaks my heart. I'm not going to lie. I'm not even going to play games. It, it hurts. It hurts me on the inside. It hurts me to know there's good people. They're not bad people, but they've erred. They've walked away. I'm going to tell you, I don't want no one to go to hell. I don't want anybody to be lost. But if there's not a sound coming from the pulpit, 
If the, if the sound ever ceases, if the word ever stops, where is the hope for the backslider? Where's the hope for those that have erred and went astray? Where's the hope for the sinner? Keeping in your heart I know this is the first time that I preach here. And I'm not bending feathers. I'm nobody. I can't preach without the help of God. I can't do anything without God. But I can't tell you how many times back in Tennessee, I've laid on my face and I've called people from this state and this area right here, even this church. I've called backsliders and so many of them are kin to me and that breaks your heart even more. But they have walked away from what it used to be in those services that I talked about being in service of Brother Triplett. And they've gone astray. I can't tell you how many times I've laid on my face and I've cried and I've told God, have mercy on them. Come on, son, it's still right. I don't even like to tell this on one, to one degree, to one point. But my mother, y'all know her very well because you're kin to her. Some of you are. My mother was backslid for 30 years. 30 years she never walked in one service. My dad was a pastor, and some of you know because some of you sat under him for a period of time. My dad was a pastor. My mom was a pastor's wife. They weren't hypocrites. They weren't half-hearted. But life happened. Yes, sir. The enemy come in, and I ain't making excuses for anything. But that's why. It's so vitally important that when trouble hits you square in the face, that you know where to run and you run to the altar. You don't run to your neighbor and start complaining. You don't run to somebody down the road and try to figure out things. When you don't understand what to do, there is one place you can run that will keep you. And when the storm settles and it's past and the rain is gone and the thunder is gone, you'll still be where you need to be. But my mother, life happened, and I'm not even going to go into detail, but she walked away from God. She didn't just up and quit and get mad, run out of the church. But that's what I'm talking about. There was that slow process of time and things uh, that began to get between her and God, her and her prayer life. And she walked away from God eventually. I don't even know how to explain with my dad. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. As I said, they were not hypocrites. And they didn't live that kind of life before me. There's, there's some things that preachers just don't want to have a story to tell. I know every preacher's got some kind of story they can tell. But there's some things you don't want to tell. But 30 years went by. Bitter. And I'm not going to go into details. My, my mother raised my nephew. She even adopted him. My oldest brother's son got killed in a car wreck. Found him three days later. Y'all know the story, some of you. I'm the one that had to tell my mother, and I'm not trying to make you feel sorry for me by any stretch. But I'm the one that had to tell her. But the difference was she was lost in and without God. She didn't have God there to give her the peace and the strength that she needed during that time. She about lost her mind. I remember grabbing her, yes, holding her down in the chair, holding her back because she was about to lose her mind. 
She raised him from practically three months old or maybe just a little bit past. One of the hardest things that I had to do in my life, it was the hardest thing that I ever did. Put him in the grave. <coughs> my brother, and I don't tell this everywhere I go, y'all know, but my brother went to prison. An apostolic family that was in those services that I talked about at the beginning of my preaching. And you think that it won't happen to you. You think it ain't going to happen. It's always somebody else. But my brother spent like four years in prison. Raised on an apostolic pew. And my mother, I seen her get bitter and bitter and bitter. It looked like there was no hope. She, didn't, she was a miserable person. She, I didn't even want to be around her for very long a time. She was so bitter and bitter. But I never stopped praying. I never stopped praying. And though in those times, whenever I come home, the day that I, they picked up my brother and carried him in, and I passed him actually in the police car and didn't even know that it was him in there. When I got home, and they told me just a mile from my house, I was crushed inside. But you know what I did? I just made my way a few miles straight on up to the church. I didn't cry there at the house, but I went there and I took it to the Lord in prayer. And yes, I still had to face the time that, that uh, he had to spend in prison. Yes, for 30 years, she didn't follow God. And it didn't look like there was any hope. And I'm sorry, I know I'm taking a little bit too long. I apologize. But after 30 years... We were in revival with Brother Micah Norlock. And on the next to the last night of revival, she had not been to one service. She wouldn't even talk to you about it. She would call me after Cameron passed away. And then she, would, she, would, she was so bitter, and I would just warn her, you better be careful. you got to be careful. You don't, you don't charge God. And it was scary. Yes, sir. But there come that service where the power of God was flowing. And she walked in, and I was surprised, but yet I wasn't because I know the power of prayer. But 30 years, and she said in that, on the back row in the very center, and at the end, uh, God, I knew she, that's one reason why they, it took her so long to come, because my mother was always a tender person before she walked away from God. But the bitterness can destroy someone. That bitterness can take you down roads that you never dreamed that you would walk down, and that bitterness was there. But I seen the power of God, and I was never one to pressure my mom. But I walked back there, and I just put my arm around her and I just started uh, praying uh, and I said you know what you need to do and she went to that altar and she prayed and lifted her hands 30 years of prayers uh, that was prayed uh, and she lifted her hands uh, and she's been a different person ever since and it was the grace and the mercy of God thank you God but it don't always turn out that way I am very careful to what I say. But Uncle Cletus was somebody that I loved dearly. And in the back of my mind, I always just had that hope. 
Because I remember being in services to him. I remember, I remember the, the, when he would worship. I remember him, the tears flowed down his face. I remember specifically seeing him wipe his eyes from being in the presence of God. Yes, sir. Oh. I don't want to attend another funeral of a backslider. When you don't have to, it's so easy. It's so easy. What is hard is what the devil puts in your mind, saying it's hard. It's not hard. If you knew how much God had in store to give unto you, you wouldn't hesitate. If you knew the presence and the glory of God that was awaiting your arrival at an altar, you wouldn't hesitate, but you would run to an altar and raise your hands that you could lay your body down with more than just a memory. Can we lift our hands to God right now? Can we talk to God for a few oh, minutes? Oh, dear friend, this sinful world is lost and Are you going to die with just a memory of the anointing of God? Are you going to die with just a memory of a service like this? Oh, 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 you don't have to, friend. Why don't you make your way to an altar and give it all to God? When you give it all to God, God. Are you traveling down the avenue of prayer? Oh, keeping faith in your 